What the fuck is up, world? Piali Tlaltic Pak. We back in this bitch. Another grito. It's been about two weeks, three weeks. Who the fuck cares? It's the last podcast. We're here now, and that's all that matters. It's been an interesting time since the last podcast. So before we even get into it, let's just fucking get the specifics out the way. You know the deal. Follow your boy, OG underscore Ice Knife 13 on the gram. Uh, you can find me on Facebook too, but you know, obviously don't really use that shit. I've said it plenty of times on this podcast before. So for those of you who are just tuning in, um, you'll know that now. For those of you who've been listening, you already know the deal, right? For those of you who are just tuning in, not from social media, but perhaps from well, one of the podcast app, what's up, dog? I see you. Uh, I'm glad you're here. I hope you stick around. Like I've said plenty of times before, of course you wouldn't know that because this is the first time, but um, for those of you who have, again, uh, listened along, uh, for those new listeners, I'm glad you're here and I hope you find what you're looking for. And if not, I hope, you know, inevitably you settle upon a podcast that offers you what it is that you are looking for, or perhaps even start your own. I know there's a lot of people that fucking talk shit about people with podcasts, but you know what? Fuck them. They're going to talk shit no matter what, first of all. Second of all, the more the merrier, dog. There's some dope-ass fucking podcasts out there. And, uh, you know, mine, mine personally has been influenced by them. Uh, the one that I'm really kicking on right now is the fucking Tinfoil Hat Podcast, right? I've mentioned it before, but, you know, I'll continue to mention it because, for one, your boy loves a good conspiracy, okay? And two, it's just a dope-ass fucking podcast, you know what I'm saying? So, um, if you, you know don't find what you're looking for on this one that's one suggestion of the many many others that are out there you know what i'm saying so yeah the reason that i start actually by talking about the tinfoil hat podcast is because um it's gonna be a little bit of a conspiracy podcast okay and uh, i hate even qualifying it by you know discussing the, by, by mentioning the word conspiracy because obviously as i mentioned before in previous podcasts that word gets a bum rap and um it's not my intention to try to dispel it okay in fact one of the things that i've been thinking a lot about about these conspiracies is just how fucking fun they are okay um what's the alternative bro is what i'm trying to say here when it comes to these conspiracy shits you know what i mean like i have i can either sit down and watch a basketball game which is not really in my fucking wheelhouse anymore when i was younger of course it was in my wheelhouse right um but at this age, I don't really, I really don't care about any of the basketball players. You know what I'm saying? Especially after all the bullshit that went down with China. Like, how the fuck are you going to stand up on one hand for human rights and then completely overlook what's happening in China on the other hand, which is something that we're going to be talking about a little bit with this podcast as it progresses, right? So I'm speaking here specifically of LeBron James. The second little performative fucking virtue signaling act that he did recently is saying that he's going to, you know, boycott the playoffs in light of the shooting in Kenosha, Wisconsin, which, hey, man, I get it. You know what I mean? Like shit sucks. It's fucked up. Still shit is still fucked up. People trying to change it for better, for worse. You know, some more topic that we're going to discuss in this this podcast progresses. But the point that I'm trying to say is like how performative was it for him to just come on and, you know, fucking protest one game dog like are you kidding me be a fucking man fucking boycott the whole season if that's what you're trying to do that was just like a very attention grabbing type of deal you know what i'm saying so the combination of all these social factors and how they're slowly finding it but this is before though this is before the social factors of it you know started to make its way into the nba and, and, and all the other sports which is great again it's great like you know the, the, the athletes using their pedestal to stand up what i'm saying is like um my interest in watching these games, like actually sitting down and watching them, they've they started to wane as I've gotten older. You know what I'm saying? I'll watch a little bit of football every now and then. But for now, as far as my interest is concerned, it doesn't really draw me in that direction. Right. So another alternative, for instance, would be playing video games. Like, yeah, I could sit here and play video games all day. But again, that's more of a younger me thing. And it doesn't really draw my attention anymore. 
conspiracies though that shit draws the fuck out of my attention i can sit here and fucking research <laughs> bitch ass conspiracies all fucking day long and be wildly entertained by them you know what i'm saying that doesn't mean that i'm going off down to fucking where we go one we go all rabbit hole QAnon type bullshit it doesn't mean i'm going full complete actual tinfoil hat you know what i'm saying it just means that they're fucking interesting it's something fascinating to talk about uh they, they offer if anything an ability i find to be able to expand beyond this typical mode this, you know, this very, this, this framework that we've been indoctrinated with. And, you know, that's actually like, this is actually a very big problem in philosophy. Uh, how hard it is to, you know, um, escape this framework. It's, uh, this phenomenological prism that we found ourselves in or this terministic screen. If you want to use the language from the postmodernists, you know what I'm saying? Uh, this terministic screen, I'll go with the postmodern language, um, is, you know, we, we, we have this experience of reality and, you know, it's basically impossible to escape it. And, <laughs> you know, not just by virtue of being human anymore, as I've mentioned through the Nietzschean lens, right. But I'm talking now in terms of the cultural lens, we've been indoctrinated in one particular culture to, so to just be able to, to see beyond on that culture is very difficult. We might try to, uh, you know, enlighten ourselves to other cultures and introduce ourselves to other cultures. But as the example that I know I've given a, a few times before on the podcast, uh, I'll give the example of, you know, pretending to be a, a jaguar of some sort, you know what I'm saying? My cat messing with her. Anyways, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, we can try to imagine what we might, what we think it's like to be a jaguar. And, you know, we might even progress to the day where we have the virtual reality in such a, in, in such a, a, a razor sharp form where we can actually put ourselves into the perspective of what it's like to be a jaguar. But no matter what happens, we'll always, we'll always be beholden to, again, to this, this phenomenological prism, right? The prison this uh, terministic screen and the reality is that we won't be an actual jaguar we'll be a human being experiencing what it's like to be a jaguar you know what i'm saying so when it comes to the culture the idea here then is that you can introduce yourself to various cultures you can become very enculturated throughout the course of your life but the problem is that you'll always be beholden to the initial culture that got you first by fucking virtue of circumstance you know what i mean like we didn't choose when we were born what culture we were born into and all that kind of shit and because of that the limits that these cultures place on us from just childhood, just the basic process of socialization, the process of learning and repeating culture, you know what I'm saying? Um, it makes it so that it's a prison, a prison, uh, right? This terministic screen that's very difficult, if not outright impossible, if you ask some of the postmodernists to escape. And um, that's kind of why I, I personally enjoy so much of the conspiracy theories, because I do find that it does give an opportunity, at least something of a of a of an opening to try to escape these terministic screens, namely in the sense of the one that we've been indoctrinated with here in the Western world, which is the very reductive scientific materialist approach to reality. Uh, following this framework, for instance, we're beholden to the laws of physics and anything that is, you know, not possible without within the laws of physics is completely outside the realm of, of possibility. And, um, you know, when I was younger, look, I'm, I, I got to qualify it because it's very important to do so. I'm not I'm not fucking anti-science. I'm pro-science, man. I wouldn't be able to give you this podcast right now if it wasn't because of the advancements that humans have made via science. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I'm not trying to discount or dismiss science like that's fucking stupid to do so. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, scientism itself is a form of dogmatism. Scientism is basically like religion for science people. You know what I'm saying? Um, and just the same uh, mode of behavior that you'll find within religious fundamentalists when it comes to something that questions their beliefs, you know, namely in how they become defensive about it. 
is basically the same type of reaction that you can find from someone who adheres to scientism. They're going to say anything that does not exist, anything that is not proven to be capable within the laws of physics, for instance, is completely outside the realm of possibility to which we say, well, okay, maybe, or maybe, maybe, (laughs) and this is, you know, this is where the conspiracy starts to come in. But yo, honestly, like real shit. The whole point of science, the whole point of philosophy is to question basic supposition, right? Maybe the answer is out there. Maybe I'm just ignorant to the answer. Or maybe the answer isn't out there and maybe we're not fucking being allowed to search for it because we're told that the second we start to question shit like the laws of physics, that we're fucking crazy and we need to take our tinfoil hat off. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not really ready to buy that pill. I'm not really ready to swallow that pill, I should say. So um, maybe nothing is possible that doesn't, you know, that, that isn't um, that isn't already established within the, the, the laws of physics. But maybe it is, dog. Maybe we do live in a world full of magic. Maybe we do live in a world where fucking unicorns and giants and Nephilim and all kinds of shit once roamed. Maybe we do live in a world where there's fucking aliens walking among us right now where one of you, me, myself even, may be an alien or a robot, a clone. Like, we don't fucking know. You know what I'm saying? And the scientists, the science type, those who adhere to science, the uh, scientism, I should say specifically, because again, your boy's pro-science. Not, not saying I don't adhere to it. I'm just saying that what these conspiracy theories, I guess, to circle it around do is they oh, they expand their horizons of possibilities, if you will. Namely, in the sense of making it so that, you know, questioning things like science and the laws of physics, it's, you know, they're, 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 it's there. There's people that will question shit like the fucking the earth being round. I'm not saying the earth is flat. If you ask me personally, I'll tell you this bitch is made of ones and zeros because I believe, I'm a firm believer in the simulation theory. You know what I'm saying? Um, but there's people, you know, who will tell you the earth is hollow. By the way, there is also scientific evidence recently that was emerged uh, attesting to this very fact that it may be at least a little bit hollow. You know what I'm saying? Um, but so what I'm trying to say is that with these conspiracy theories, it just opens up the realms of possibilities to, uh, you know, the different modes of reality that exist. It just within existence in and of itself. Uh, I'm thinking here specifically of the Rick and Morty, man. I fucking love Rick and Morty. It's got some weird shit that's, you know, coming to light recently with all the whole pedophile shit. Right. And that's kind of unfortunate. Um, but, you know, to give the, the benefit of the doubt, the due proper until it's time. So until, you know, it's proven beyond a reasonable doubt with Justin Roiland. Right. Uh, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. And I'll still say like, yeah, dog, I fucking love Rick and Morty. And one of the things that I love about Rick and Morty so much is there's basically one of two ways to respond to Rick and Morty. The first type of way is saying, oh, fuck, man, can you imagine such a shit, such a such a shit was possible? Can you imagine such a universe was possible? Uh, the universe that I'm talking about here, obviously the Rick and Morty universe where people fucking travel in between dimensions, where there's different kinds of, you know, aliens that exist, different types of uh, 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 cultures, essentially. Right. And they exist simultaneously within the human species. And, you know, obviously there's well, for sure, two of them, but one, uh, Rick, who was, you know, completely aware of this and he introduces Morty and then inevitably, you know, uh, summer to it. But the point that I'm trying to say is the initial reaction is people like looking at this show and watching it in complete awe and wonder, like, and thinking to themselves like, damn, that'd be crazy if, world, if reality was really like that. You know what I'm saying? And the second way to respond to it is like, yeah, that's exactly what reality's like, dog. I mean, you and I, maybe we don't have the access. We don't have the fucking portal gun technology. We can't fucking, you know, hop in between dimensions and shit like Rick Sanchez can. But that doesn't mean that other people can, bro. That doesn't mean that this technology doesn't exist out there. That doesn't mean that there aren't simultaneously existing right now infinitely many other versions of ourselves, infinitely many other versions of reality in general that we're all going through it simultaneously in this one fucking 
a never ending loop and cycle, you know, that, you know, it's not, it's not entirely outside the realm of possibility that there's fucking aliens existing, that they walk among us, that they exist in other fucking dimensions. You know what I'm saying? Like this is all 100% within the realms of possibility. And just because science as writ temporary, you know, right now, that's the whole point of science is it's not fucking permanent. It's constantly fucking in flux. You know what I'm saying? Tells us that this is not fucking necessarily possible. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's not the fucking in existence. I did a whole fucking podcast talking about this when we're talking about the logical fallacies and, you know, the the appeal to not only just the appeal to authority in this particular sense, but also the argument of uh, conceivability. You know what I'm saying? Namely, the sense that, yeah, dude, maybe just because we can conceive something doesn't necessarily make it so. Or maybe it does. Maybe, you know, the, the fact that these ideas are what shapes our reality, then the fact that we could think this idea implies that somewhere in this reality exists the very idea that I came to mind. Or else, how else would it fucking come into existence? It exists at the very least as a fucking thought in my mind, you know what I'm saying? So, obviously, it exists somehow. Now, whether it's in a fucking concretized form that we've come to, you know, privilege under this Western, again, reductive, materialist, scientific approach, that's kind of irrelevant at this point, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, um, that's kind of basically a, not not a long segue into it, but it's a little bit of a primer, if you will, for the whole point of today's podcast. Like, I wanted to get a little bit away from the whole, you know, <laughs> introspective part, the whole spiritual, psychological, introspective element of philosophy. And I wanted to get into something a little bit different, man. And that something a little bit different is actually I'm going to open up a little bit about my my PhD program that, you know, I was in. I'm still in, but I'm taking a break for this semester. But um I'm not doing my PhD in philosophy, man. I'm doing my PhD in rhetoric. And the reason being is because, you know, the way life just happened to unfold is that after I got my master's degree, I didn't, I didn't go immediately to, to get a PhD. I came back to El Paso and there's no simply PhD programs for philosophy in El Paso. But that still didn't stop me from wanting to get a PhD. You know, I've always wanted to have a PhD. So I decided to do it in rhetoric instead, which is basically their philosophy and rhetoric are very closely intertwined. You know what I'm saying? Um, and despite the fact that I had never taken a rhetoric course before, uh, I found really quickly, okay, that <laughs> rhetoric and philosophy actually had a, a quite a, again, quite a little bit of uh, shit in common, you know what I'm saying? And, um, I guess one of the, one of the biggest problems when it comes to rhetoric, at least for me, per, well, not just for me, like in the whole fucking field per, uh, in general, is that there's really no set definition of what rhetoric is. Okay. So I would offer you at this point, something of a definition, but the reality is like, it's very dynamic. The definition of what rhetoric is it's not like philosophy. You know, we're trying to attempt to discover and ask questions about the fundamental nature of reality. Okay. And from there, we're trying to systematize an understanding of reality in such a way where we fucking, you know, can, uh, expand and, you know, continue to develop the course of human evolution. Uh, that's not necessarily the case for rhetoric, man. I can't give you a, a, a set definition for rhetoric. And by the way, that definition of philosophy is not a set definition. That's just me going off the cuff. Right. But, um, so in case you're not fucking taking notes for a test or something like, don't do that. Okay. That's just me telling you what I'm fucking filtering philosophy as. Um, but yeah, when it comes to rhetoric, like the same doesn't hold true. This it just doesn't hold true. Uh, it's very dynamic, the definition for rhetoric. It's under constant change. And that's the whole essence of rhetoric. Honestly, one of the biggest parts of rhetoric is what we refer to as invention. And invention is exactly what it sounds like. The creation of fucking new thoughts, the creation of new techniques, the creation of new fucking uh, ways of, uh, of navigating the human interactions. You know what I'm saying? So um, when it comes to this rhetoric shit, right, unlike philosophy, uh, one of the more prominent ways that it's utilized is that huh, 
it's, it's, it's focused on persuasion. And the reason I say unlike philosophy is because actually in philosophy, persuasion is pretty much, it's kind of frowned upon in a weird way because the kind of the whole point of philosophy is persuasion in and of itself. Now that I think about it, namely in an attempt to fucking persuade other people to think exactly as you do, to think what you do, to think what you believe is correct. You know what I'm saying? That's basically the whole point of fucking logical arguments in a nutshell, right? Uh, they're going to try to justify it by saying, well, no, we're trying to convey the truth, but oh man, that truth's kind of arbitrary. Obviously, uh, your boy, I'm not even going to say I'm a postmodernist because what I am fucking predates the postmodernists. I'm a fucking Nawa, baby. We've talked about this. Okay. E next lead, net lead, need plastic back. Terrible fucking, uh, uh, um, Nawa for fucking, is this the only truth on earth, bro? You know what I'm saying? My ancestors came along before these postmodernists and knew it even then that there are multiple interpretations to reality. Hence again, the beauty of the Rick and Morty show. So um, what they're going to want to say then, being the Western analytic philosophers, is that they're not, they're not trying to persuade you. They're just advancing the truth. But again, it's a very subjective truth. It's a fucking pre-established truth that they, you know, conveniently decided was the correct one. And now they're advancing it through fucking logical arguments. You know what I'm saying? So uh, when you think about it, I guess I can't even say that because philosophy in and of itself has, a, has an element of persuasion as well. But uh, as far as rhetoric is concerned, they're very fucking open to it. In fact, I should continue to qualify further. The philosophy, uh, the philosophy camp is going to dismiss rhetoric as mere sophistry for this very reason. Okay. Uh, sophistry in the sense that they're not necessarily concerned with, again, the quote unquote truth so much as what they are advancing their own pre-established notion of the truth. You know what I'm saying? So, um, this is something that rhetoric is going to openly embrace. Like, yeah, dude, uh, we're our, our whole fucking one of our basic fundamental, you know, elements is the art of persuasion. And, you know, uh, because of that rhetoric as a field has developed, especially over the last 50 years, I would say even more now at this point, almost a hundred actually fuck time flies, bro. Um, to the point where it's like, yeah, dude, we're trying to fucking, we're trying to, you know, hone down the skill of persuasion. We're trying to fucking teach people how to become expert persuaders. You know what I'm saying? Um, and that's kind of the whole point for that I wanted to uh, talk about with this podcast, man. It's to trace the development, if you will, of rhetoric and specifically the collegiate sphere to demonstrate how it has essentially evolved from this obscure elitist practice, much like philosophy, okay, to this de facto progenitor, if you will, of mass media, bro, okay? Um, rhetoric is 100% responsible for the fucking birth of mass media, ma uh, media culture, you know what I'm saying? And thus, and you know, by proxy persuasion, okay, to be as generous as possible that we find ourselves beholden to in the modern times. You can't fucking, you can't do anything anymore. It's just, it's not possible. Everywhere you look, we're being influenced by the fucking rhetorical field. Uh, everywhere we look, we're being fucking inundated with mass media, with mass culture, right? Um, and because of that, we're obviously, if the roots of rhetoric are in persuasion, we're fucking beholden to this persuasive element at the most fundamental and obscure levels. So fundamental and so obscure that for many people, rather than acknowledge this or even be able to acknowledge it because, you, you know, you don't have the knowledge to be able to do so in many cases. Um, We'll just simply dismiss it as a conspiracy. Like, oh, come on, dog. You're telling me that the fucking Google and Facebook and Instagram, they're, you know, fundamentally manipulating my news feed and my, you know, uh, my, my news in general in such a way to tailor fit this version of reality that they want me to believe is correct. And the answer is yes, motherfucker. Like, what are you saying right now? It might sound crazy and it might sound, you know, uh, uh, completely absurd. It might sound like an outright conspiracy, but that is exactly what's happening. Now, whether they're doing it for some nefarious purposes, like they're trying to advance the agenda of the new world order, or whether they're doing it because out of basic fucking human nature, like that's not fucking relevant, dog. The point is that it's being done. And if we don't have the knowledge of it, if we don't stay woke as it is, right, um, 
we're going to get caught slipping, bro. We're going to get caught slipping. And what I mean by getting caught slipping is the best example that I can give you of how it's unfolding right now is the shit that's happening in fuck just all over the country, man. I mean, at this point, it's like, I, 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 it's just, it's every week now. Okay. It just seems to be the quote unquote new normal to use the, the terrible parlance, if you will. But, uh, the most current, the most recent ones being the, the shootings in Kenosha, in Kenosha, Wisconsin, you know what I'm saying? And the ensuing fallout from this, um, in particular sense, how it relates to this uh, persuasion is you have two camps of people, man, and both of them are fucking 100% convinced they are correct. And as far as the rhetoric is concerned, the truth is they're both correct. And the reality of the matter is the one that is proven to be the most correct is only going to be the one that is most skilled at fucking persuading other people, right? To, you know, to adhere to their side. Now, I know obviously this might strike us as intuitively wrong because, you know, we live our, our, our cohort. I'm assuming you're part of my cohort. And if not, you know, the one before me or after me slightly, but, um, we value equality more than most fucking cohorts before us. Definitely before us. Fuck the boomers. You know what I'm saying? The ones that are fucking responsible for exactly all the problems that we're dealing with right now. Like how the fuck could they fucking pretend to be, you know, concerned with equality and equal rights? Like I'm um, talking Pelosi and, and Biden here. Like, no, dog, that, that, that's shit that we're, that we're changing. You know what I mean? The, the, the equal marriage and all that kind of shit that happened because of us, our cohort, you know what I mean? So, um, it might sound then intuitively strange to say that, you know, they're both right because we might want to believe that the one that is correct is the, the group that's fighting for the historically marginalized populations in the United States, namely the black and brown communities, right? And I'm not saying they're not wrong, right? I'm not saying that they're, 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 that they're not right, okay? They're definitely not wrong in fighting for this. But what I am saying is that the other side is just as equally right in the sense that they're trying to uphold and maintain this fucking, you know, this, this country for better or for worse. Like, this is me not giving my own personal views on the matter. This is me being a fucking philosopher and examining the situation for what it is, examining both sides of the fucking argument. You have this other group of people who would, who feel firmly that they're upholding the, the, uh, this country that has been that which has elevated and advanced the human fucking race over the last 250 plus years of its existence, which is, again, it's hard to fucking argue with because if you look at, you know, most of the development in terms of technology in the modern world, it's basically come from this country, okay? There's other, you know, other countries obviously contribute greatly as well, but most of the mass media, for better or for worse, again, I'm not trying to be an American exceptionalist here and just say that this is, we're fucking American, we're the best, like, no, nah, man, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, like, aside from the, the K-pop phenomenon, when's the last time most people in America, you know, embraced an outside culture and, and you know, you know, uh, made it their own, as opposed to American culture, which is so fucking huge that China has already fucking bought into it via Hollywood. You know what I'm saying? Why? Because the movies that we make in, not we, but the movies that are made in Hollywood are so fucking huge globally that they're influencing cultures around the world. Then, you know, that's when the Chinese government we're going to talk about here steps in and says, hey, we got to fucking, we, we got to put our, we got to put our foot on this fucking, on, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the pedal here, on the brake here, because y'all are having a little too much influence. You know what I'm saying? So anyways, so when it comes to this Kenosha, Washington type shit, the point is that, yeah, dog, like if they're there. If rhetoric is correct, I don't know. I'm, I'm being a little bit, uh, I'm doing it a little bit of a disservice. I'm giving a very fundamental reading, but for this podcast purposes, it's good enough. Right. But the point is that if it's correct, like, yeah, dog, they're both right. And what it's going to boil down to is not who's fucking intuitively true right? Who has the intuitive truth? Like, again, we might believe that it's the people who are fighting for the, the, the side of the oppressed, but that might be our terministic screen that I talked about at the very beginning of the podcast. It's simply fucking leading us to believe that we're the correct ones, right? 
and our inability to escape it and see from the other person's perspective is why we're stuck in this fucking in, in this deadlock. And conversely, the same is true for the other side of the debate with the people who are saying like, no, this Kyle Rittenhouse was entirely uh, justified in shooting the two uh, protesters. He was, you know, fighting for his life and all that kind of shit. Like that's just, that's what they're saying. And where the persuasion is going to come along now is there's people who are watching this unfold the silent majority, if you will. And they're going to be the ones that decide because they're going to allay themselves with one of three fucking possibilities. You're going to have the camp that falls with the people who believe that the, you know, the, 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 the Antifa, if you will, are justified in their actions. And that, that thus this Kyle Rittenhouse character in response to the, the shooting in Kenosha, Washington, or Wisconsin was a, he's basically a fucking terrorist. You know what I'm saying? A white terrorist. Or they're going to fall in line with the other camp that says, no, the fucking Antifa, anti-fascists are terrorists and they're fucking disturbing the status quo. And this Kyle Rittenhouse was perfectly justified because he's defending fucking uh, private property, which is a fundamental inherent right in the United States Constitution. You know what I'm saying? And um, so where the persuasion is going to come in is, well, who's going to do a better job? Uh, Who's going to do a better job of making the argument? Is it going to be the left? Is it going to be the right? And wherever the silent majority fucking falls on. That's going to be the side that wins. You know what I'm saying? And that whatever side that is that wins, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're true. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're right. It just it means essentially that they have the most amount of people on their side. They did the most effective job of convincing people to join their side. And this convincing, this persuasion, it could take it could take the form in many ways. It could take the form of shit that comes up in your Facebook or Instagram feed. It could take the the the, the form of the shit that comes up in your news feed. Whether it be from fucking Fox or CNBC, whatever Google allows you to see, whatever Instagram allows you to see with a shadow banning, you know what I'm saying? Or it could take the fucking form of a motherfucker with a big ass gun saying, listen, bitch, you fucking listen to what I'm saying or you're going to meet the end of this big ass gun. You know what I mean? That's basically what it boils down to. Um, So, yeah, when I talk about the persuasion element of of rhetoric, that's what I'm talking about, dog. Okay. now, um, again, this I hate even qualifying it because the reality is. This isn't a conspiracy, dog. If anything, uh, when I when I hear people talk about this and they dismiss it quickly as a conspiracy, the, the element of persuasion that's actively involved, I, I see it more as a fault of knowledge, honestly, uh, uh, on their behalf, if anything. And I'm not trying to front like I'm fucking this grand receptacle of knowledge. You know what I mean? Like I was ignorant to it, too. And for the longest time, um, I just assumed that it was a conspiracy out of lack of the proper you know, knowledge to be able to justify this claim. But the reality is, dog, like this, again, this rhetorical field, it's something that has been deeply, deeply studied and it's been fucking um, crafted in such a way expertly where it's basically become a fucking weapon for better or for worse. Okay. Um, And the roots of it were sown in the 1890s. Okay. And specifically in the 1890s and during World War One. Okay. Because it's here where the United States itself was in the midst of kind of what it's going through right now where, you know, it was... It was governed by big businesses, right? And uh, and the government itself was starting to exert more control, okay, over the industrialization of this country, right? So again, much parallel to the 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 current times that we're in right now, the 1890s and the 1930s, okay? Uh, and in turn, many educators, many politicians, and social critics they began to question this power. And the ensuing effect that it would have on citizens, the power that the corporations had, the power that the government had and how it was exercising it over the citizenry. Right. So you had these, uh, you know, uh, you had these these fucking educators and you had, again, these social critics and these politicians who were concerned about this. Right. They're saying like, hey, man, like 
you're you have these these very powerful lobbies essentially the government big business and all that kind of shit okay and they're exerting huge influence over the the course of this the the the, the direction of this country and by proxy on the lives of of everyday american citizens so the you know what are we going to do about this okay so on the one hand you had people who were looking to establish this new form of democracy that would rise out of this union, the union here between big business and fucking the government, okay? And they hope to utilize this college education as a means of training persuaders, okay, quote-unquote persuaders, who believe that they could relay the quote-unquote right information to the mass public, okay? So again, uh, circling it back quickly, in, in, in the wake of this fucking encroachment of big business and government, you have these people who come along and say like, hey, dog, like, this is fucking scary. We need to educate people, average everyday people, as to what's happening here and create and you know and, and in doing so create what they believe was this more educated populace that's going to lead to a more democratic society this happened in the fucking 1890s dog in the 1930s and it's happening again still now this is one of the biggest beasts that people have with fucking college and they're not wrong bro they're not fucking wrong when they when they critique them as being you know leftist fucking brainwashing camps and you know you know for better or for worse like it's they're they're not wrong okay we might think that they're wrong because, again, it, it betrays our fundamental beliefs. But the reality is there's some fucking merit to this. For those of you who are just listening, I'm holding up now a book on the video. It's called Progressive Politics and the Training of America's Persuaders by the lady named Catherine Adams. It's fucking it's, it's a historical analysis as well as a fucking rhetorical breakdown of this very fact. And they're telling you here, like, yo, and e even in the 1890s, people realized that we needed to arm, if you will, the the American citizenry with the intellectual tools necessary to be able to understand the ways in which we're essentially being fucked to keep it uh, as, you know, to keep it as real as possible by both big business and the government. Okay. And these people thought to themselves, like, we have the correct answers. We are these altruistic people who have the correct answers. And we're going to persuade the rest of the American citizenry as to the correct right information via mass media. Okay. And it's from here, again, in the 1890s, uh, and especially in the 1930s, where fields like journalism and advertising and public relations began to be formed. And it was all for the same purpose, dog, persuasion. They were all formed for the same purpose, okay? So we're introduced here then to, especially in this book, what is referred to as the quote-unquote progressive politicians. Now, I say quote-unquote because it has nothing to do with what the fuck we think a progressive is nowadays, okay? It's, it's what we have as progressives, you know what I mean? Uh, nowadays, their intentions are rooted in these people here, okay? But they're fucking completely different, right? Um, so anyways, you have these quote-unquote progressive politicians and educators, as they'd come to be known, who hoped to train rhetoric, okay, or specifically rhetors, uh, who could persuade people, uh, who could reform both the government and big businesses in hopes of creating this quote-unquote better United States. They essentially wanted to fucking, you know, train the American populace in such a way to uh, uh, imbue them with these very uh, humanistic values like equality, justice, and all that shit. You know what I'm saying? And they felt that it was the onus was on them to do so. So when I keep stating about the parallels, like, yo, I'm obviously not a fan of fucking the, 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 the quote unquote regressive left to use the Fox News language. You know what I'm saying? I'm not a fucking fan of the far right either though. Okay. I'm just straight up not a fan of fucking ignorance. Okay. However, I will give both sides the benefit of the doubt and state that I'm sure somewhere, maybe not so much on the right, but definitely not on the left either. This left is just sneaky with their racism. So I take that back. Okay. Um, 
somewhere in there, somewhere in there is a fucking, I believe, I try to give humans the, 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 the benefit of the doubt, right? As I grow a little bit older, you caught me 10 years ago, I'm like, man, fuck that. Human, humans are just pieces of shit. Like we're inherently evil. Fuck that. And just, there's just, there was no way. But now as I get a little bit older, I'm like, no, nah, we got to give people the benefit of the doubt because yeah, we might be evil and pieces of shit, but there's also good in us as well. You know what I'm saying? So, um, when it comes to this fucking to this left and to the right, I try to give them the benefit of the doubt and stay like, you know what? Somewhere in there is a sincere altruistic desire to fucking help humanity. Okay. Um, and, and specifically here, when it comes to the left, the idea is that, you know, now they're going about it in the fucking ways that I necessarily don't agree with, but what are they really fighting for dog? They're fighting for justice. They're fighting for equality. They're fighting for freedom. They're fighting for justice. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe I already said justice, but the point is, how that how is how are those things inherently wrong? You know what I'm saying? Like that's not a necessarily bad thing. They might be going about it in ways that that you know we don't necessarily agree with, or maybe you do agree with it. The point is, like at, at its core, I'm not convinced that they have inherently evil intentions. I'm sure it gets co-opted and fucking you know uh, 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 fucked up along the way, but that's just that's just human nature and power. I'm not justifying it. I'm just saying that's what we got to focus on. You know what I mean? Instead of the bullshit ass identity politics element of it, but the case remains. This is what's happening back in the 1930s and the 1890s. They're trying to fucking train the American populace in such a way to be better citizens to make this country what it's supposed to fucking stand for. You know what I mean? Now, the problem is it's fucking, I mean, one thing, this this should be pretty fucking obvious, is the reality that academia, where all of this was taking shape, it doesn't exist in a vacuum, dog, okay? And what I mean by that is that it's very much susceptible to the public's fear and vice versa, Okay. Just because universities are these fucking alleged institutions, prestigious institutions of, you know, knowledge and whatever, doesn't mean that they're fucking removed from the public fucking world. No, dude, people from the public sphere enter into this fucking elitist uh, public institutions and private institutions. And that's where the knowledge is generated and formed and invented and all that kind of shit. Right. But to assume that they fucking leave their biases at the door when they walk into the office is fucking ignorant dog again it betrays the very thing that i started this fucking podcast with this terministic screen this phenomenological prison right it's fucking impossible for people to leave their outside lives you know at the door in many ways uh, the moment they step into the fucking academia okay and we're this is exactly what happens at the end of world war one when it comes to rhetoric okay Specifically, what happens is that all the skills that had been developed within universities to fulfill the goals of social reform, they found their way outside of academia, dog, okay, where they proved to be very, very beneficial to big business and the government, i.e. the very fucking evils that these fucking rhetorical tools were devised to help fucking undermine, okay? Now, Again, going back to fucking the, the example that I gave about the leftists, right? The, or not, not the leftists, but the liberals, okay? They might, had, they might have had good intentions, the people who created or laid the foundation for this current field of rhetoric that we have available to us, okay? And they may have intended to create muckrakers, as they were called, or what muckrakers are, these reform-minded journalists, okay? And quote-unquote consumer activists, okay? They might have, atten- they might have intended to have create that, But what they didn't foresee, let alone stop, is the ways that their newly developed techniques of persuasion would be implemented, namely by other fucking people that don't necessarily have altruistic ends in mind. Okay, so, you know, although to be fair, although you and I, we have the gift of hindsight, it's important, again, to contextualize their initial aim to essentially arm the American people with, again, the intellectual tools necessary to become more 
informed and active citizens, okay? Because again, at, prior to the Civil War, much of the political enterprise was reserved to politicians, i.e. the wealthy elite. They're trying to democratize this. They're trying to say, no, this shouldn't be something that's re- reserved only for the fucking, you know, the wealthy elite. This is a democratic nation. It should be fucking, uh, it should be beholden on uh, the responsibility and the privilege of every American citizen to be, you know, involved in the, in the, in the, in the political sphere. So again, right, they were initially hoping to create this new national democracy where strong but trustworthy leaders would, you know, be beholden to an informed citizenry. But, you know, that's just not, that's not, that's just not how it catches. That's not how it unfolded. Unfortunately, it sounds great. It sounds fucking ideal as fuck. Like, yeah, that would be awesome. That is actually what happened. It would be awesome if that's what fucking could happen now. But Again, human nature. It's just not the way shit unfolded, okay? Now, to be fair, these people, man, they were way ahead of the game for their time. They supported, again, this was in the 18 fucking 90s, dog. They supported labor rights. They supported women's fucking suffrage. They supported universal education and so on. While simultaneously, uh, simultaneously rather, opposing shit like corporatocracies, corrupt politicians, nonpartisan government, voter and citizenship requirements. Basically, all this shit, again, I cannot continue to emphasize this enough that we're fucking still dealing with to this day. You know what I'm saying? But it's more socially acceptable now. These motherfuckers, this was, you know, this was a long fucking time ago when these kinds of things were considered outlandish, right? So again, this is here where, uh, just to tie it in a little bit with a little bit of what I said in the past, this is this is where the modern conception of, again, these progressives were born, okay? Specifically, these people, they fancied themselves as reformers, okay? Quote, unquote, reformers who attempted to transform the partisan, meaning one-sided, okay, selfish institutions of politics and government into compassionate, efficient agents of public interest, okay? A goal they would be, they believed rather would be accomplished by the, uh, you know, by this rhetorical training. Again, like sincere intentions, man. Like I'm not saying they're right or wrong because, you know, doing so would obviously betray this whole fucking terministic screen that I've been talking about fucking for the past 30 minutes already. But I am saying that at the core of it, it does seem as though they had the genuine fucking intention of helping people. You know what I mean? So um, this is honestly why I decided to do this episode on this particular topic. Okay. As I, again, I just see so many parallel between their time and ours. Now, obviously we're living, I don't have to fucking be the one to tell you dog. we're living in some wild ass times and there's no doubt that the fucking quote unquote progressive liberals of today, they basically lost their minds. Okay. Like I'm just going to be real with it, dog. But they've lost their minds, especially when it comes to this fucking the identity politics, social justice warrior bullshit. Like, nah, dog, you can't fucking for one, you can't compel people to fucking act in a way that they don't fucking feel like acting like it sucks, dude. I get it. Okay. Um, and I'll get accused of being a centrist for saying this, which is fucking fine. Like, I don't give a fuck. Okay. It's, it's dumb. It's not true, but it's fine. Like, whatever. Okay. But, um, the reality is like, yo, there's shitty fucking people that exist, dog. Like that's just, that's just it. That's the course of fucking human history. All right. I'm not giving you anything profound. You've known this. Okay. And just because these people don't fucking adhere to the values that we would like them to, we, we get in a very tricky spot when we start saying like, well, they have to, we have to compel them to act in a way that we want to. The most, the, the image that I have in my head right now is that of the lady who was sitting down at a restaurant, you know, outside and, you know, this mob of these fucking liberals were fucking harassing her for refusing to put her hand up in the air in solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement. You know what, dog? Like, obviously me, I, I'll fucking, you know, I'll, I'll ride for anybody that's fucking marginalized, black, brown, gay, trans, it doesn't matter, dog. I'm on your side. You know what I'm saying? But I'm not going to fucking compel people to act or believe the way that I do. Okay. 
because for one, freedom, dog, like it is what it is. Okay. Two, more importantly, it's a very slippery slope, bro. At what point, and it's where the compelling comes, are we going to say you have to think like this out of pain of, you know, public ostracization? Or you have to fucking think like this out of pain of fucking firing squad, gulag type shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, just because we, again, I cannot emphasize this enough. Just because we believe that these people may be right in their actions doesn't necessarily mean that they're fucking, the, 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 the way that they're going about, the, the, the bringing about the ends that they desire is correct. You know what I'm saying? So um, when I say that these liberals have fucking lost their minds, this is what I'm talking about, dog, all right? Uh, but again, beneath all that, I don't doubt that they're well-intentioned, okay? Because in their minds, in their minds, it's just a matter of getting people to, quote-unquote, understand all the ways that they're wrong, if you will, right? And they think to themselves, if we can just do that, we can make the government work for us to create a better world that everyone desires. Which again, it's fucking great in theory, but if anyone that pays close enough attention can attest to the fact that this old model, right? Like, it's obvious, dog. Like, the world that we lived in, the world that we grew up in as this millennial cohort, it's just, it does, it's not, it's not, it's not, it doesn't work anymore. It's, it's fucking, it's dead, okay? Trying to give birth to a new world here, okay? But um, the problem is, in doing so, we're basically repeating this pattern where we're going to bring the old world with us and we're just going to fucking dress it up in new technological digital clothing and realize at the end of it all that we didn't really change shit. Okay. Um, so this goes back to the circling to the back to the good intentions. Okay. The goal was first to create these majors who specialized in persuasion, who could in turn, again, create experts of their own that would go on to teach in the K through 12 setting, beginning the process of reimagining the democratic, uh, 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 processes here in America. Okay. But again, once the secret got out, well, for one, before we even get to the secret, the problem is like, again, who's to say what is correct? You know what I mean? Like this referred to as the epistemic court, like mm, these liberal values, like we, again, I like to believe it, they're correct because they adhere to what I believe is correct, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's the case, right? It's this fucking terministic stream. Secondly, once the secret gets out and both the government and big business began to realize the power of these newly established techniques, they in turn began to recruit the majors, okay, and the quote unquote so-called experts that they trained to subvert the process and basically quell the power that was sought by the people. They co-opted it, man. The government and bucking big business in the 1890s and the 1930s and every year since, including today and forever on into the future until we make fucking this spiritual transformation that Nietzsche's talking about. They're going to keep doing it, okay? They co-opt it and they use it to fucking, you know, for their own ends. They realize essentially that the tools that they were designed for these democratic enlightenment could also further the consumption, right? They could further consumer manipulation of both national firms and any goals that the government could conceive of. So when we say the national firms, we're talking about the big businesses, but also America, right? You have the, on one hand, Nike, who's trying to come up with the next ad campaign, just to fucking sell you more shoes. They don't give a motherfuck about human rights, dog. Nike is an evil fucking corporation. They might fucking virtue signal and put, you know, the, the Black Lives Matter movement at the front of their fucking, at, at, as the face of their corporation. But beneath that fucking face is Uyghur slaves that are fucking making this fucking, this clothing for at, at basically slavery, at, at slavery, right? And Nike's the one that's fucking, uh, you know, they're enabling this. So to, to think that they fucking give a fuck about human rights, it's laughable, dog. Again, this goes back to the beginning when I was talking about the basketball and why I stopped watching. Like, man, fuck LeBron, fuck the NBA. Fuck everybody except the coach from the Houston Rockets that stood up and said, yo, this is fucking bullshit what's happening in China, dog. Like, just because we have this fucking massive multi-billion dollar contract with them doesn't mean we should turn a blind eye to the way that they're fucking treating the Uyghur people, to the, 
the fucking blatant civil rights violations that they have going against the fucking people of Taiwan, human rights violations, um, that we should turn our eyes to shit like the fucking organ harvesting that they're fucking doing to people who are political dissenters in their fucking little black site prisons. How we should, that we should turn a fucking blind eye to the way the, the technocracy that they're fucking currently developing. You know what I mean? This is funny. This is funny. This is the funny part is just by saying this, the fucking fake woke little liberal fuckheads that are being brainwashed in academia now are going to accuse me of being a fucking xenophobe. They're going to confuse, they're going to, they're going to accuse me of being anti-Chinese or my anti-Chinese rhetoric. Fuck you, dude. That is not anti-Chinese rhetoric. That is fucking pro-human rights rhetoric. I don't, my fucking, my allegiance is not allayed to any one particular country, any one particular group of people, any one particular cause other than that of the human race. Okay. And an injustice anywhere, to quote the great Martin Luther King, is an injustice everywhere, dog. So for these fuckheads like LeBron James, for these fucking evil corporations like Nike to fucking put, you know, the black struggle to, you know, extort basically, ex, uh, uh, not extort, but rather to, profit off of the black struggle while they're fucking simultaneously, you know, uh, you know, furthering the struggle of mil- millions, hundreds of millions of other people. I, fuck that, dude. Like, that's just outright hypocrisy. OK. Uh, and I don't give a fuck what these little social justice warriors that are being brainwashed in their little left leaning fucking liberal institutions say about it. Otherwise, that's the, that, it, that it's, it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? So this is this is what I'm talking about with these tools. Essentially, they they realize that these tools have been designed for these democratic enlightenment. They could be, they could be used to further consumer manipulation. Mike, again, doesn't give a fuck about human rights, dog. They'll put Black Lives Matter up as the face of their corporation. They can give a fuck less. Okay. The second that it suits their needs, they'll switch it up to something else and the fucking, the, 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 the profit machine will keep on turning. Okay. As far as the United States government is concerned, they don't give a motherfuck either. We know this. You like, you and I know this. Okay. Anyone that's fucking paid two cents of attention knows that the fucking United States government can give a motherfuck less. What they care about is selling us into more fucking conflict and selling us into more wars because that's what keeps their fucking racket going. You know what I mean? So they figure out that these people in the colleges are devising these tools and techniques that will enable them to sell people on new wars, that will enable them to sell people onto new fucking social causes of unrest and they fucking capitalize on it. Okay. You get people, and this is where the fucking conspiracy, the quote unquote conspiracies will come in. People will be like, Oh, here he goes with his fucking Rockefeller talk. Bitch, fuck you. It's in the history books. Open a book and fucking read. It's not a conspiracy. This is a fucking fact. Okay. You have these people like Rockefeller who wanted to deny having, right. Uh, uh, initiating, a, initiating a bloody vendetta against their striking coal miners. So they'll fucking hire an ad agency to fucking spin it in such a way where they make the fucking coal miners look evil. Despite the fact that, bro, they fucking killed these coal miners who were striking for just basic working labor right conditions. You know what I'm saying? And they spun it in such a way to make them look like the fucking bad guys, bro. It's not a conspiracy. This is a fucking fact, right? Uh, the same is true when you have these companies again, who want to market these new products, a government that wants to sell people on unpopular wars. These aren't conspiracies, bro. This is a fucking fundamental, you know, misunderstanding of not only human nature, but at this point persuasion and how it fucking influences nearly every element of our lives. So, um, when it comes to these techniques that were developed, right, you keep the, the goal is to keep a newly formed and empowered, educated citizenry under control. Like a, an, an educated citizenry is a dangerous fucking citizenry. And these people realize the dog and they're fucking seeking to, you know, undermine the progress that they're making by using the very same skills that were given to fucking empower them and to liberate them to enslave them. Okay. Now, again, <laughs> 
This isn't a conspiracy, homeboy. It's fucking history. And when I urge you to stay woke, this is what the fuck I'm talking about. Man, I don't give a fuck about staying woke about some bullshit identity politics nonsense. Fuck all that shit. I'm telling you to stay woke about the world that we're living in, understanding like the historical fucking factors that led to us being here in quote unquote 2020 fucking United States of America on fucking quote unquote planet Earth, right? Quote unquote, because who the fuck knows what year it is? Who the fuck knows what planet we're on? So on and so forth, okay? The Americans can call it America. We'll call it fucking Turtle Island and then the fucking world will keep spinning or, you know, digitizing, whatever the case might be. The point is, there's people out there that know the deal, dog, and they're trying to utilize these tricks against you and I. And if you don't fucking know this, let alone the tricks, we absolutely will get caught slipping, dog. We'll absolutely get caught slipping. Now, the reason why this is so important to me is because if you listen along further enough to, uh, to enough of this podcast, you'll know that authenticity is very important to me. Authenticity is, you know, it's a fucking hallmark of existential philosophy. And uh, me personally, I had somebody that commented uh, on one of my posts. It was about a conspiracy theory about how all the presidents have been fucking related. And the person, one of the, he, he, I'm assuming that he could have been a she. Who the fuck cares, right? The point is that they commented something along the lines of they don't understand why someone as quote unquote intelligent as myself or just intelligent people in general fall victim to conspiracy theories, to which the simple response is, first of all, I'm not a victim, doc, okay? And second of all, this is not a conspiracy. This is fucking history again, okay? Um, and when it comes down to this fucking shit, when we say, like, don't get caught slipping, the point is, like, if you're looking to lead an authentic life, you have to understand that there's fucking forces out there that are seeking to, uh, you know, take essentially your your, your agency from you for no other reason than they need your physical body, okay, in such a way to expand and exert their continued control and influence. And they will do whatever it takes to get that from you. Because without you being there, they no longer have power. This is the foundation of this fucking postmodernist philosophy. It's a fucking fundamental fact throughout the human history. Power resides where people believe it resides, to quote the Game of Thrones episodes, right? And these corporations, these governments, they understand that. And they're trying to utilize you, not as your own fucking individual with your own unique thoughts, dreams, hopes, and desires, but as a body to continue advancing again and exerting their control. To which, again, if you're a person, which I'm assuming you are, like me, because you're listening to this podcast, who's concerned with authenticity, this is fucking terrifying because you realize like, oh, fuck, dude, like I have this one shot at life, bro, to live a life that I actually want to live, not the life that I'm told that I should live, the life that I want to live. And if I don't fucking know all the ways in which that goal is being jeopardized and all the different ways in which different fucking institutions are attempting to frustrate this goal. I'll get caught slipping and I'll fucking end up some fucking 17 year old dickhead looking all shook like a fucking deer in the headlights on camera, right? With a fucking assault rifle, killing people for no other reason than, than what dog? You're fucking protecting a business that already has fucking insurance, a building that can be rebuilt. Like you're giving your whole life away to that dog. Whether you make it out through this process or not, I'm talking here to the Kyle Rittenhouse character is completely irrelevant. This is something I mentioned before with the mass shooter here in El Paso. Okay. Like that's something you gave your life to an institution that can give a fuck less about you, an institution that existed long before you ever came into existence and will continue to exist. Unfortunately, long after you're out of existence, you had this one shot at life and you completely fucking jeopardized it and threw it away for what? For nothing. All because you got caught slipping by these fucking institutional forces that know very well these powerful tricks of persuasion and they utilize them on you and hundreds of millions of other people around the world in an attempt to do nothing more than to continue their own fucking power, to continue their own self-interest. And 
what are we what was the price that you paid for that? Your fucking life. Okay. So when I say like stay woke, dog, don't get caught slipping. That's what I'm saying. Like you get this one shot at fucking life and they're fucking constantly, it's constantly under attack. And you gotta fucking, you know what I mean? If you don't know the ways in which it's under under attack, like you're gonna get caught slipping. We're gonna get caught slipping. And um I guess this kind of the circles into the importance of knowledge. This is one of the things that I want to talk about with this fucking podcast is the importance of knowledge, right? It's the Mino. I don't want to call it Mino. It's not Mino's paradox, man. It's the fucking uh, epistemic paradox. Okay. Um, I've made a video about it before. How do you know what you don't know if you don't know what you don't know? Because in order to know what you don't know, you have to know what you don't know, but you can't know what you don't know if you don't know what you don't know. So how can you know what you don't know if you don't know what you don't know? You know what I'm saying? And um, the point here being is that the more that we do know, the more we start to realize, the more agency we gain over our lives and the more we're fucking able to make these informed decisions as to what we are actually going to fucking give our energy and life towards. Okay. Uh, Conversely, what we don't know, uh, it, it implies guilt a little bit on our behalf, namely in the form of tacit consent, where we unconscientiously maybe uh allow for evil actions to continue to unfold in our name namely because of our ignorance yo it's fucking you know in this technological era ignorance is it really is a choice at this point you know what i'm saying and that's something that i found personally when it came to the uyghur people and what's going on in china now i know maybe you, you've heard a lot about this maybe you yourself have a little bit of information on this but i know me personally man up until about a month ago i really didn't fucking know much about the uyghur people other than they were being held in internment camps in china okay um, to be fair though, uh, when I did, you know, just a little cursory information that I had gleaned from the Uyghur people, it did one thing that did kind of strike me as odd was they're Muslim. That, that that's weird. Like how the fuck is there a Muslim population in China for one, because it's in China, it's fucking far removed from the middle East. It's the far East. You know what I'm saying? Two, China is a communist fucking country and communist countries, they're not very sympathetic to religion. So immediately because of that, the first thought that came to mind was like, how the fuck did they get, uh, how the fuck did they, uh, uh, when I should say historically that the, that the Muslims come into China and able to establish such a fucking, you know, stronghold where a a large group of people have become Muslim too, or rather one. And two is how the fuck did they, how did, how did this group of people survive the fucking, you know, the, the communist takeover of China. Right. And so, um, I, I realize like, this is something I got to look into, man. I really don't understand exactly what's going on here. So I'm going to look into this. Okay. Uh, and the more that I started to look into it, <laughs> um, two things happen. The first is that I realized, like, honestly to myself, I don't really think I cared much up, up until, and I still, you know, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. It's not that I don't care, but it's like, there's not, there's not much I can do about it. You know what I mean? Like I can mind, I could tend to my garden only. I've talked about this on this podcast before. Not going to elaborate on it any further than that. Okay. Um, I didn't really care about the, the plight of the Uyghur people when I first read about it. Right. For one, I'm obviously, I'm not particularly fond of religion. So why the fuck would I care? Okay. Especially Abrahamic ones of which Islam is a part of. Two, as I've mentioned before, I, again, I've already accepted the fact that there's, there's, there's just way too much in this world that I can't change. Okay. And I've accepted the role of simply tending to my garden. Right. But to be fair, I was still curious. Like what the fuck's happening with the Uyghur people in China, bro? So, again, how did a, a, a fucking religious minority even manage to exist? Okay. Now, I'm not trying to front as some expert in Chinese history, but I, again, I know enough about communism to know that most communist states, they, you know, like China pretends to be, they're not sympathetic to religion, man. Because as the fucking tired ass Marx quote reminds us, 
Religion is the opiate of the masses, okay? Now, a quick cursory history lesson reveals that although religion is technically still permitted in China, it still comes at the expense of much regulation, okay? And furthermore, the history of the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, is a history of extreme antipathy towards religion. So again, I was just wondering to myself, like, how the fuck does a Muslim minority exist within these fucking, uh, within this, you know, environment? So then I started to actually look into it, dog. And it turns out these Uyghur motherfuckers, they're not even from China, dog. They're not even from China, okay? It's adjacent to China, but it's just another one of those countries that China has claimed dominion over, okay? And, you know, with many of the indigenous people being deeply unsatisfied with it, whether it's fucking Taiwan, whether it's Tibet, whether it's many of the countries in Africa, dude, in Mexico right now, it's happening in Mexico right now. And it definitely happened in fucking Turkmenistan is where these, where the fucking Uyghurs are from, or Turkestan, East Turkestan rather, right? Where these Uyghur people are from. China is colonizing, which is fucking hilarious to me, dog. Because again, the same motherfuckers from 15 minutes ago that were going to call me a fucking anti-Chinese, uh, are going to blast me for my anti-Chinese rhetoric are the same fucking clowns, these same fake woke progressive liberal fuckheads that are going to turn around and bash colonialism right? American uh, colonialism and imperialism. This fucking country is the, the, the country that you just uh, fucking uh, 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 defended, China, they're guilty of the same shit. They're doing it right the fuck now. But because it's Chinese people, because they have brown skin, we're supposed to pretend that it's not a fucking bad thing? Get the fuck out of here, dog. Okay? These fucking, the, the, the Chinese Communist Party, they've fucking invaded, essentially, East Turkestan. And they're fucking, they've exploited the Uyghur people. They fucking dominated them, right? This is the whole point of persuasion that I was talking about earlier. And they've essentially, they, they, they've subjected them to slave labor, okay? Uh, I say essentially subjected them to slave labor is because this is where the Nike part comes into play, is... They're not, you know, Nike isn't hiring black ops. They're not fucking hiring black ops to go, well, fuck, fuck, for all we know, okay? Apple, for fuck sure, corporations like Apple could very well fucking be doing this for the minerals in the Congo that make their fucking iPhones and shit, you know what I'm saying? But um, as far as we know, Nike itself isn't, you know, contracting black operations to go out and fucking, you know, overthrow countries and shit and enslave the local population in order to get them to fucking work in the sweatshops. Because that's, that's who works in the fucking Chinese sweatshops now, apparently now, too, is the Uyghur people. Right. But they don't have to because they'll let countries like China do it. And then they'll enter into business contracts with China. And under these business contracts, the country of China, right, because that's how the fucking country works, apparently. Is it's not just individual corporations. It's the whole fucking cover, the whole government's involved with it. You know what I'm saying? And they'll just get the fucking slave labor paid. They'll, they'll pay fucking pennies on a dollar. Nike will. Uh, they'll, they'll subcontract essentially the slave labor of which the fucking Uyghur people are. So, you know, this whole idea that, yo, they're fucking being religiously persecuted. That's a front dog. You're not being religiously persecuted. Like the religious persecution is bad. Like, don't get me twisted. But they're being, they've been enslaved, bro. That's the real shit right there. You know what I'm saying? And you have these people when we come on and talk about it, right? And um, <laughs> this is where the whole point about the NBA, where you come on and talk about it and suddenly, you know, you have the fucking LeBron James that kowtow to the fucking Chinese corporate of uh, the Chinese Communist Party and say, oh, you know, I'm not concerned with that. Like, bitch, aren't you the face of the Black Lives Matter movement? Aren't you here for fucking human equality? Or are we just here for like one specific group of people? Like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, you got to be real clear about what's happening here, dog, because again, an injustice anywhere is an injustice everywhere, dog. You know what I mean? So the point that I'm trying to make is like, it turns out, again, these fucking Uyghur people, 
they're working these fucking sweatshops that we hear about all the time. They're the ones making the Nikes, bro. And Nike for themselves, again, they're not actively going out and doing it, but they're subcontracting these companies that, you know, manufacture the goods at the cheapest rate. And the cheapest rate right now for those companies happens to be the Uyghur people, right? Now, again, this is modern day slavery in full effect, bro. This isn't a fucking conspiracy. This is a documented fact, okay? And it's all profit motivated, hence why, you know, you say that China is an allegedly communist country. Obviously, it's not true. It's fucking communist. It's capitalist in all but name, right? Um, and this, this is where the problems of shit like globalism start to become of utmost concern. Now, I know just completely out of fucking nowhere, it seems like globalism has come into the conversation. But the reality is, dog, that much of education, especially in higher academia, has been geared towards globalism, namely trying to get people to understand their specific role in a global society for the long, for like the past 20 years already. Okay. So what I'm trying to say is essentially we got these fucking, these rich motherfuckers now who, Instead of treating one specific part of the United uh, of the United States, the, the antebellum South, as a fucking plantation, they're basically treating the whole fucking world like a plantation, prison, motherfucking planet, bro. Okay, and somehow we think it's a conspiracy to point this out. Like, what the fuck are you talking about, dog? It's not. And if you do, I'm sorry, but again, you just simply haven't done the research. You don't know what the fuck, like from the historical perspective, how this unfolds. You know what I mean? This globalism shit is real, dog. They're teaching it in college, just like they've always done. And then we have these fucking college professors that go off and they train teachers who teach our children. And from there, new ways of interfacing with reality emerge. And sometimes it's to our detriment, bro. You have right now college professors who are training teachers who are going to educate our students with these fucking liberal values that we have currently right now. Okay. Not because they're right, but just because they're currently the fucking trendy topic. And, you know, for better or for worse, for better or for worse. And they're going to fucking train these kids, my, you know, my kids, your kids, in such a way to interface with reality, to change the reality. This is the fucking, uh, uh, the, damn, the name escapes me on top of my head here. The social construction of reality, right? This is the social construction of reality. You, you put these thoughts into people's heads and you send them out into the world. And with those thoughts, they activate and they engage with the world in a complete different way than the people that came before them. And they change it for better, again, for better or for worse. This is the fundamental shit of what I'm trying to talk about here with this book. All right. Um, again, it may have some negative connotations, but again, we'd be silly, silly to assume that it's not happening, okay? Not as silly as we'd be to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Now, what I mean by that is that if you ask me personally, this whole globalism shit, dog, like, it, it's, it's very... It's a very complex subject, okay? You know what? It's so complex, and at this point, I'm at about the hour-long mark anyways. And I, rather than continue, because I'm only on page five of my notes, bro. I really got deep into this one right here. And rather than continue to fucking prolong the process, I'm actually just going to draw this bitch to an end, and I'll hit you back with a second part to this podcast at a later time. Um, by later, I don't mean fucking three weeks. I'll get this podcast out as quickly as possible, okay? So for now, I'll just leave you with a simple thought of, the role that knowledge plays in our lives understanding if you will are how the point that i'm going to get to inevitably at the end of this lecture at the end of this podcast that i prepared is we've been told and this is going back all the way down to the beginning okay we've been told at least in modern times that we have no meaning that we have no purpose that we have no value we've been reduced by scientific reductionism by materialism to fucking nothingness okay we're told that we live on a speck of dust in an infinitely vast universe and we might but that doesn't mean that we have no meaning, that we have no purpose, that we have no purpose, that we have no value. We're actually very fucking important. And where we direct our energy to can genuinely make a fucking impact in this world for better or for worse. 
the people in control trying to run this shit and fucking historically have been running this shit in the Western world, they know this full well. The goal now is to teach other people this so that we can ourselves learn just how important we truly fucking are and hopefully, hopefully try to make it a better world for us to live in. Or not. Maybe our ignorance will continue to lead to a negative spiral and the world will continuously get worse until we're not left with anything at all. I don't know the future. All I know is the knowledge exists and the goal of this podcast, if any, is to try to at least share it with the hope that, you know, maybe the person listening to it, you or someone else, right, can make somewhat of an informed decision to decide what side of this fucking spectrum, if you will, we're going to follow. So, yeah, with that said, um, just a quick uh, summary. Follow your boy. Again, OG underscore Ice13 on the gram. Facebook, YouTube, whatever, right? And yeah, I uh, hope you all have a great rest of your day. I'll catch you next time. Peace.